You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Before I launch in with this week's awesome episode, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the premium subscription that I've been referring to in the last couple of weeks' podcasts. Basically, as you guys know, producing a podcast is expensive. Besides paying for the website, the server, the producer, all the different things, it also takes work time. So it cost me a lot, and up until now, I've been going out of pocket and just been so excited to produce it each week. But now that it's growing and growing and I feel that the content is really of value, I've decided I need to do something to offset these costs. I explored adding commercials, but I didn't really want to integrate something that didn't have much to do with interior design. I love Blue Apron. I love mattresses. I love Audible. But I just didn't feel quite right about putting commercials for them on this particular podcast. So I explored some other ideas too. And what I thought would be most valuable is creating this premium subscription, something where people could subscribe for $3.99 a month or $39.99 a year and get bonus episodes, different things that I'll provide behind the wall, interviews, extra content, my interior design diaries to help keep it fresh. So if there's something that you would really like to see behind the wall, if there's some content that would really interest you, let me know. Write me at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com because this podcast has been more fun than I thought it would be. It's been more popular than I thought it would be, and I'd love to keep it going. But of course, I want to keep it going with things that you're excited about. So feed me those episode ideas, but also let me know about bonus content. What would you like to hear? Keep me posted. I'll make it happen. And right after I record today, I'm going to make some more diaries. New thoughts, new ideas. I'd love your feedback. So now let's segue to this episode of Big Design, Small Budget. I'm Betsy Helmuth, and today we're talking all about red and orange. So as you guys know, I love color. Whenever I meet a client who's also into color, it's just like meeting a kindred spirit. I get excited. I get tingly. There's nowhere I can't go. And for those of you who are Facebook fans of mine, you have seen on Affordable Interior Design's Facebook page recently pictures of my particular home that boldly feature red. Not a color I would have gravitated towards in the past. In fact, I would have shied away from red. I'm much more into cool tones like the teals and blues in my logo. But my home when I moved into it happened to have these red, orange, yellow, and green stained glass windows that were very prominent. And while they weren't really my jam, they were too gorgeous to do anything with. So I had to embrace it. So basically my entire decor, the palette for the first floor of my home, is based off of these windows. In other words, it features a lot of red, orange, yellow, and green. So today we're going to kick it off with those two top colors I mentioned, red and orange. 
So as we all know, red is a color of excitement. It's a color that tells you to stop what you're doing. A color that we associate with clown noses and tomatoes and strawberries and different things like that. Also Valentine's Day. So there are connotations of passion, intensity, love. In Asian cultures, there are connotations of luck. It's known to be a color of prosperity. So it's really a color that comes imbued with a lot of its own emotions and it's not a color that you can just throw in and hope for the best. You really have to be intentional with red because it is going to steal focus. So I love to use red when I'm working in a space and there's something that I want to accentuate. For instance, in my home I have these really cool parquet floors. Now don't snub your nose at parquet. I have this really large scale parquet and um, then I have this kind of herringbone pattern with it and it's really cool. I love it. So I intentionally knew that I wanted to draw people's attention to my floors. So I put a red rug not only in my dining area but also in one section of my living area. Automatically that color takes their focus, brings it down, and inadvertently it shows off my beautiful wood floors. Let's say that you have something that you really want people to focus on in your home. Let's say that you have beautiful windows that have an amazing view or they're just really tall. It would be a great idea to flank those windows with red drapes or potentially put in a red Roman blind because again, that's going to capture people's attention. They're going to be looking at your windows and really marveling at that view. So use it to its fullest advantage. Use it as a trick to show off your assets and also pull people's focus away from those things that you don't want to accentuate. So for instance, if your view is of a brick wall or of a parking lot, maybe that's not the time to do red drapes. So that's a fun color that we can really manipulate. So I love drawing attention with red. And I also love warming up a space. So if you have a space that's particularly cold architecturally, if it's just a simple box that's kind of bricked out and doesn't have interesting moldings, doesn't come from an interesting era, Red automatically has a lot of interest. So by infusing your space with that color, you will create excitement for your space. Also, if you have kind of a colder basement area or if one of your rooms just doesn't get a lot of natural light, that could be a great moment for red because it is a color that exudes warmth as well. So it can really heat up a room visually. Now the cons are that red is known to increase blood pressure, so it kind of stresses us out. Red is not a calm or comforting color, so I would rarely use it in a place where I want to relax, like a bedroom. Heck, I wouldn't even really use it in a living room if you have a super stressful job. I would definitely opt for those cooler tones that do promote a feeling of relaxation. So avoid red if you have high blood pressure, if you have a super stressful job, if you just want to go home at the end of the day and be surrounded by tranquility, it's not your color. But if you want passion, intensity, inspiration, red is your go-to home run hit. Now, there is a specific school of thought in interior design that believes that red 
is a color that belongs in every single room. So those of you who follow this podcast or follow any of my design philosophies on my blog at affordableinteriordesign.com or even on Facebook, you know my 60-30-10 rule. When you're creating a color palette for a room, you use three colors, but you use them in different amounts. One is used 60% of the time, one 30% of the time, and the other 10% of the time. But as I was saying, there is a designer school of thought that believes that no matter what your 60, 30, 10, no matter your room's color palette, every room needs a splash of red. They say it's because It's like lipstick on a lady. No lady looks complete or ready for her day without a splash of red lipstick and no room is complete either. I do not happen to feel this way about red, even though I think it's an interesting philosophy and something I have toyed with. But I do happen to feel this way about another color that we'll be learning about in this series. So we are going to be exploring all the colors of the rainbow and some colors that aren't in the rainbow in the coming weeks. And so I will be giving you my thoughts on the color that you should use in every single room, no matter your color palette, towards the end of our color experience. Now, we were talking about that 60-30-10, and I will also warn against using red as your 60% color. Again, it is such a strong color that packs such a punch that when you do your wall color in red, when you do your upholstered sofa in red, it can be too much, and it can be too much rather quickly. It can be a space that incites arguments. It can be overwhelming, too much to take. So I recommend saving red for a 10% pop here and there, or you can follow my example and use it as a 30%, which is pretty strong, but certainly draws out the beauty of my stained glass windows. So guys, there's my thoughts on red. Now let's move to orange. Orange just happens to be one of my favorite colors of the whole rainbow. It is a color of excitement, of happiness, of energy. If you are looking to get inspired, if you are looking to get motivated, there is no other color like orange to really get you jazzed. So when you're thinking about tennis shoes for your aerobics class, think about orange. When you're thinking about designing your home gym or home office and really want to get in there and get motivated, think about orange. And again, orange is another tone that is warm. So if you do have that space that feels dank, cavey, or dark, orange will bring it alive and really energize it like no other color can. The problem with orange is that it is so energizing that it can feel somewhat frenetic. So again, I would never use orange in a place where I want to be tranquil or calm. Certainly, I would avoid it in a nursery, a baby's room, where I want someone to be taking a nap. I would probably avoid it in a kid's room altogether. The last thing they need is more energy. Save it for the playroom, guys. And like I said, never in the master, just because I want to be relaxing and hanging out Orange is a color of energy and we want to make sure to save it in places that we want to feel that extra burst of excitement. So the other problem with orange is people don't have strong connotations with it being a sophisticated color. It's more playful. So if you're trying to create a very sophisticated room, you may want to go for a muted color of orange like a rust 
rather than a vibrant Crayola box or tangerine color of orange. Now, the other exciting thing about orange is that it increases your appetite. So if you love to have dinner parties and want people to feel enthusiastic and hungry, put that color in your dining room, potentially as a tablecloth or even as the color of your chairs. I would avoid it in a kitchen just because it does give people a tendency to want to overeat. Uh, Certainly if you're very skinny, you might want to use that as a tool to help gain weight. But for the rest of us, I keep it out of the kitchen. Um, The other thing about orange is that it's not universally liked. It's a controversial color. So again, when I'm thinking back to that 60, 30, 10, I think of orange as more a 10% color. Small pops that will really appeal to the playful nature in people but won't overwhelm or make a space feel too juvenile. Now, I want us to talk about, remember we were mentioning that 60-30-10, orange and red when you're shopping, you want to make sure that you're picking the exact same tone to replicate in your color palette. For instance, if you've decided that your 30% in your living room is going to be red, I wouldn't want you to use burgundy and cherry and a lightish red or even a brick, kind of an orangey red. You need to stay with the same tone. So for that 60%, you would select exclusively burgundy. Burgundy is a very easy color to work with. I can find it at lots of different stores at lots of different price points. And typically, all the shades of burgundy are roughly the same. So people aren't going to walk into your home and obviously tell that you got your burgundy pillows from Target, but then you got your burgundy ottoman from Sears. They really kind of work well together and harmonize and people have a hard time time noticing if it's not the exact same shade. What colors of red that I try and avoid are like a tomato red, a red that has some orange to it because those have different variations of orange and can skew more orange or more red depending on what you're looking at. And it's just a super energetic color again. So it's just hard to find it at lots of places because it doesn't have a level of sophistication that a lot of stores would want. You're rarely going to see it at a store like Ballard Designs or Z Gallery, that tomato orangey red. So when you're shopping, make life easier on yourself and skew more towards that burgundy red that you'll be able to find at places from Crate and Barrel to where can't you find that? Anthropology. So yes, you'll be able to find burgundy at a wide range of stores in lots of different styles. When we're talking about orange, a couple of the easiest colors to work with are rust. And rust is kind of a muted orange. It has a lot of brown in it. It doesn't pop out. It's much more subtle. And it tends to skew more traditional. So if you have a traditional or transitional vibe going on, Rust might just be your color because you can find it at lots of stores like that. From our house to Pottery Barn, you'll have a great time shopping for rust. The other color that's really easy to find is that tangerine orange. I'm trying not to say orange orange or refer to it as a Crayola box orange, but that true orange we all think about. That's an easy one. However, it does tend to skew very modern or even eclectic. So you'll find it at places like CB2, Urban Outfitters, places that are more youthful, playful, fun, and modern. Certainly you'll be able to find it a lot at Ikea too, but keep in mind 
that bright tone is a little bit less sophisticated. So you're really going to have to work on upping the sophistication level with your other two colors of the 60-30-10 equation. Got it? So guys, I have loved telling you about red and orange. If you have thoughts, I want to hear them. Send them in. Now we're going to take a second to uh, tell you a little bit more about the premium podcast subscription, and then we'll be right back with some of your listener mail. Our podcast's premium site has officially launched. Become a member of Big Design Small Budget's podcast premium site today and get access to all of our past archives, our new bonus episodes, including my interior design diaries, all for $3.99 a month or $39.99 a year. Please join us. It's a way to help support us, keep us on the air, show us some love, and of course, get even more great tips. Go to BigDesignSmallBudget.com to become a member today. Guys, I am loving your questions. Keep them coming. Send me your questions to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. One request I have is try not to include too many pictures because the problem with a podcast medium is I can't show them to our listeners. So it's hard for me to reference a picture because they have a really hard time visualizing it without seeing it too. So when you send in your questions, try and make them generic enough so that I can easily answer without having to refer to a picture. So today my first question comes from Helena. Helena writes, Betsy, my mother-in-law is a seasoned realtor, so she has done a lot of staging. Her style is extremely traditional, thinks super expensive, very ornate, dark furniture. Hence the wood factory and lots of crystals. My husband watched her style growing up and is very much involved in home decor. While I appreciate their taste, I'm a lot more of a mid-century modern gal who prefers a lighter, airier tone. I own the exact bookshelf you mentioned in your Finding Style chapter of your book. Every time my husband and I go shopping for the home, and I literally mean every time, it's a disaster. He's the one who picks out all the items and later asks for my second opinion. To be very honest, I don't like them. He doesn't have much of an idea on styling surfaces either. For example, he once bought the huge table lamp that takes up our entire nightstand only because he liked the design. Our alarm clock barely has room on that nightstand and falls off every morning. So usually height and size are pretty much off too. It took a lot of courage for me to tell them that what they picked is not to my liking, but they take it personally and they tell me they're offended. Whenever I give my suggestion, they tell me I like weird stuff and I don't know what I'm doing. After listening to your relationship rescue episodes and many other episodes where you discuss mixing tastes, I even gave them a floor plan and mood board. I'm not an interior design expert, but I worked in fashion, so mood boards are my dear buddies. I wanted to communicate some transitional design to meet halfway, but the only comment was, that doesn't go well with what we already have. Betsy, please help Helena. All right, I have a couple of thoughts. It seems like you guys really are at different ends of the spectrum. And that's a tough bridge to gap. Heavy traditional does not go well with mid-century modern. I don't have to tell you, and it sounds like I don't have to tell them either. The first thing that's giving me pause is your husband's relationship with his mom. It sounds like we could just extract the mom from the equation. 
he has enough of a sense of style on his own that I don't think the mom needs to be brought in at all. Could you just maybe ask him, because I know you don't want to create strife with your mother-in-law most likely, could you perhaps ask your husband to extricate her from your design dealings because you're having enough of a hard time getting on the same page with him. So I would try and remove her from the equation because I think it's just complicating matters. Maybe there's a nice way to say, to pull her aside and say, I really love your son, but we have this struggle around interior design and it's really hard to bring someone else into the fold because it's wreaking havoc on our marriage because the last thing that his mom wants is for him to have an unhealthy or unhappy relationship. So I'm sure she wouldn't want to be any part of that. So let's remove her from the equation. So that way we're just talking about you and your husband because he seems to share a lot of her values but maybe he'd feel less strongly about them if she wasn't a part of the discussion. So now that it's just between you two, let's talk. It sounds to me like you already have a lot of this furniture going on. It sounds like it's going to be really hard to start from scratch. They've obviously laid a foundation of this heavy traditional furniture and as I've said, these two styles really don't mesh. Is there a way that you can get in your style while working with the pieces that you currently have so you don't have to start from scratch. For instance, if he's picking the style of the furniture, could you choose the color palette? All of that's really dark and heavy, but maybe by bringing in colors that feel more modern to you, light teals, um, warm yellows, things that might lighten up the space, you'd have an easier time getting your needs met in the space. In other words, taking it from dark and heavy to light and more modern. Another thing that you could consider is you could consider having your own rooms. So it sounds like he's already kind of taken over the master with the nightstands and lamps, but maybe the office or maybe the guest room hasn't been tackled yet. Maybe that's a place where your particular style could shine. Another thing I would think about doing is having artwork that's more modern leaning. So perhaps you could frame the artwork in a more traditional way, but maybe you select abstract pieces that feel much more contemporary rather than bowls of fruit or vases of flowers. I think there's ways to weave in a modern sensibility while not totally overhauling what you've currently started. It sounds to me like you just need to take him aside Maybe if he were able to channel his energies because he obviously cares about the design but isn't really getting it right in terms of proportions and obviously that's causing trouble for your life and your alarm clocks. So what if he could kind of be in charge of a different domain? I don't know if maybe he's feeling a little bit out of control and maybe there's a way in terms of finances or weekend activities or entertaining or bills he could take the reins and maybe even get a little distracted by something else so you could work your magic in the design department these are just a few thoughts i really hope they help helena please keep us posted because while nobody really tells me what to do in my family in terms of interior design, I definitely understand the in-law overlap and how contentious that can feel. So we really want to know what happens 
Keep us posted. I hope you win the color palette war, if nothing else. All right, time for my next listener email. Our next message comes from Kara. She writes, Betsy, I'm loving each and every podcast as well as your book. I also wanted to let you know of another way to find home decor at a discount at overstock.com. Type in the search bar as is and returned or slightly damaged items come up at a very deep discount. Pros are the price for sure and the overstock people will tell you why it's in the as is section. Cons are that the items are final sale and cannot be returned. Oh, and I'm sorry, you can't tell the extent of the reason why it's so deeply discounted. In other words, it may say the rug is fraying, but you don't know if it's a half an inch of fray or if all four edges are framing. Anyway, FYI, in case this is of interest to you, keep up the great work and a very big thank you, Kara. So Kara, thank you so much for this. I, who shop at Overstock every single day, had no idea about their as-is department. And I must say... I feel a little dubious about it. They're so great with returns and they're so great with communication over there, but not being able to return something in bad condition? Well, I guess it's worth a shot to at least figure out why it was returned and get that answer and then learn more. But whoa, I am really scared of stores and those flash sale sites. Any place that gives me a lot of hassle about a return, I just don't want to shop there. So it kind of turns me off, but I guess, like I said, it really depends what you're looking for. If it was something like a book or even a drape, I could maybe be into getting an as-is. Drapes are often folded at the side. You rarely see them full, spread out. So I have a feeling any issue might be camouflaged in the undulation or the folds. But a rug? An upholstered piece of furniture? Hmm, I'm frightened. I would love to hear your experiences, Kara, with the Overstock As Is section. So keep me posted. Let me know more. I'm intrigued and a little bit frightened. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Kara so generously referenced my interior design book, Big Design, Small Budget. That was actually the inspiration for this podcast. So if you don't own it, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, buy it on our website. And if you do, use promo code podcast to get 15% off and I'll sign it for you. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. It's always a pleasure every single week. Keep those questions coming at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. And until next Tuesday, guys, talk to you later. Bye.